1: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Greetings, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, delighted to have you. As always, text the word data to 33777. Subscribe to the show notes. Also, pre-order my book, please. Uh, please pre-order my book. Um, I'll get to write another one if you if you pre-order this one and the sales are good. Um, I actually want to begin this hour with a phone call because I was going to talk about this issue and Ryan is on hold and has a question related to it. So it's it's perfect timing. Uh, this is not a setup. He didn't know. So, Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, uh, Ryan? good afternoon,
2: sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. I'm sorry I'm on my speakerphone. but I'm actually driving an 18-wheeler
1: right now. Oh, um, boy, you be yeah, careful. But-
2: can't really, can't really talk to you uh, with, with a phone in my ear. But I just have to say that I don't know what the hell is going on over there with our military. How, how is it that we, we, we have bins on our cars, we have identification numbers on our cell phone numbers, every plane in the sky can be tracked, but yet our military, puts our defenses down for some u.s drone that's coming back who knows how much a u.s drone costs but a u.s drone is, is not worth an american soldier's life yeah okay and, and i'm just trying to understand you know the, the story in the news is that is that some drone followed our u.s drone back or or that the drone we thought a u.s drone was coming back how is it that our u.s drone don't have the technology that has some type of an identifier in them, like a plane or anything
1: else. And how is it that our U.S. drones don't have any type of radar that can track what's around them? Yep. So, okay, so, Ryan, I'm glad you raised this issue. Let me bring everybody up to speed. Uh, If you don't know what Ryan's talking about, he's telling the truth here of what happened. Multiple reports now are revealing that there was a massive screw-up at the U.S. military outpost, they call it Tower 22 in Jordan, that the Iranians timed their drone attack for the return of an American drone. This is from the Wall Street Journal this morning. The return of the U.S. drone led to confusion over whether the incoming drone was friend or foe, officials have concluded. They did caution the inquiry into the attack is at an early stage. The enemy drone was launched from Iraq by a militia backed by Tehran and struck the outpost living quarters. An American defense visual said on Monday, the U.S. has yet to find evidence Iran directed the Sunday attack themselves, which killed three U.S. troops and wounded more than 40 more, but Tehran provided the weapons. In other words, Iran is saying it wasn't us, it was just militia that has our back and it was the militia that did it, but we didn't know they were doing it. And the militia had its drone follow a U.S. drone in, at least according to the preliminary report, and it is our presumption, it is their presumption, that the two drones followed in such close sync that it might be they didn't see the enemy drone, they were tracking the American drone or there was confusion. To Ryan, the caller's point, you would think that they would be able to distinguish our drone from someone else's drone. There was clearly some sort of breakdown and it led to the deaths of three Americans and wounding, in some cases critically wounding, more than 25 other people. It is a serious, serious situation uh, and one that must be dealt with. And frankly, as I've mentioned earlier and as, as callers have pointed out to me, This is very, very similar to the situation uh, that led us into full involvement in Vietnam where Robert McNamara engaged in a tit-for-tat with the North Vietnamese communists where they would do something so we would respond. They'd do something else and we'd respond in kind, and it just kept going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until it led to a full-scale war because we did not punch hard first. And Democrats on Capitol Hill, they don't want to forcefully engage. I want to play for you some of the commentary here. First, uh, this is uh, Mickey Sherrill. She is a congresswoman from New Jersey on the Armed Services Committee and a Democrat.
3: So Iran has done, uh, uh, quite frankly, has done a lot of work to fund terrorist groups, cells across the region, Hezbollah, the Houthis, et cetera. And we are seeing the results of that work. A lot of uh, these groups are not in direct contact, but are nevertheless attempting to destabilize the region, want to draw the United States into this conflict. um, And I think that we have to be very careful here. You know, sure, it feels good. It feels macho to say that we are going to destroy our enemies. But at this time, what the United States often does best is not simply go in half cocked, but rather gather our allies, bring a force to bear um, of world opinion of our allies and back down those who would create this instability. And I think we've seen some signs that Iran does not want to get into this full-scale war. Make no mistake, the United States is ready for it. We can certainly um, assert our power and might throughout the region of any attackers. But what we are trying to do here is to prevent a full-scale war. We are trying to deter this aggression. The, The president is working hard. He has options on the table to increase the force that we use. We will likely do that, as we'll see in the coming weeks. Um, And we will hopefully see less aggression. I also think that we aren't doing this in a vacuum. We are doing this combined with our attempts right now to have a pause in the fighting between the Israelis and Hamas so that we can get hostages freed and so that we can have a better outcome in that war right now.
1: Uh, So in other words, we're going to engage in a continuous tit for tat and not actually seriously engage. I mean, this is the view from the Pentagon.
0: Well, look,
3: what we know is that we have been able to take capabilities off the table of these IRGC-backed groups. The capabilities that they had yesterday, they no longer have today. And so, yes, we do assess that we have been able to successfully disrupt and degrade their capabilities. By no means are we saying that we've taken everything off the map for them, but we have made it harder for them to launch attacks at our U.S. forces, whether it be in the Red Sea or in Iraq or Syria.
1: Right. We've made it harder, but they're still able to attack. On the other side of this is Senator Tom Cotton, one of the hawks in the Senate. He was in the military.
4: Bill, you laid out four options for how we could retaliate against Iran. I'd add a fifth, which is all of the above. There has to be devastating military retaliation for the targeting of American troops in Jordan, a friendly nation across international borders, leaving three dead Americans and more than three dozen wounded. And some of those bill are in grave critical condition as well. This is not an anomaly for Iran. This is what they've been doing for 45 years. But they have amped it up under Joe Biden beforehand, Barack Obama, because they're The Obama-Biden foreign policy has been one of appeasement and conciliation. We have to totally reverse that policy, starting with retaliatory strikes right now and continuing beyond that to ensure that we're no longer trying to bribe the Ayatollahs with billions of dollars. We're not looking the other way whenever they cheat on sanctions, and we're certainly not going to tolerate even the slightest provocation against our troops in the Middle East. Anything else will simply invite more attacks. Yes. Look. I think Tom
1: Cotton gets the better of the argument here. It, it's very clear here that we need to punch back hard. We've got to punch back hard. This is Joe Biden's former head of CENTCOM. Well, I think we began by uh, re- realizing, Wolf, that if we want to prevent escalation, we need to leave the theater. If our primary goal is to, is to not have something escalate, we need to get out. That's obviously not our primary goal. So we need to get comfortable with the fact that there can be escalation associated with this. The next thing I would say is, I Secretary Blinken's words are very strong, very forceful, very on point. We need to match them with, with action. And we have not done so uh, over the course of the 150 attacks or so that have preceded this lethal attack and the loss of these three brave Americans. A hundred plus attacks. And Joe Biden continues to slap him with a white glove and say, tut, tut. I mean, I mentioned this to you yesterday. Iran responds to force. We have not been forceful with Iran. We have tried to respond in kind uh, with minimal force. And Iran interprets that as weakness. This is the NBC News' analyst.
2: Well, the United States has been reluctant to conduct any attacks. And in doing any of the attacks, the counterstrikes has been limited and what the administration perceives to be proportional. And the principal reason is that the perception in Washington is that anything more than that will widen the war. Uh, Critics say, and probably properly so, that uh, Iran's allies don't need any excuse to continue or even widen their attacks. Iran is fairly well convinced, and probably properly, that the United States is reluctant to attack Iran directly.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Y'all, we've got to really punch hard here. I don't know what Joe Biden has in store. The news headlines today are that Joe Biden has determined a path forward. In Vietnam, Joe Biden decided we needed to get out of Vietnam. After Americans were bombed at the Marine base in Libya or in Lebanon, Joe Biden said, we need to get out of Lebanon. After all the attacks after 2003 against our troops in Iraq, Joe Biden said, we need to get out of Iraq. He pulled us out of Afghanistan and handed it back to the Taliban. Iran knows who they're dealing with. An old dog isn't going to learn new tricks. And Joe Biden, the old dog... His favorite trick is to tuck, tail, and run. Iran knows this. Some of you say we should get out of the Middle East. How, how does that work for you? We get out of the Middle East, Iran invades Israel, takes over Iraq, controls oil production. Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, they move to uh, get closer ties to China as their protector because they don't have us destabilizes the oil trade against us, destabilizes Israel forcing our hand there unless we're going to let them be wiped out, starts a huge war that will draw us back in. Isolationism is the easy out that causes all sorts of problems. And historically, every time the United States has retreated from the world stage, people who do not have our interests move in to take over, forcing us back in. And it always is more costly and more expensive to get back in once you've withdrawn. It is the easy, cheap answer. It is the thrilling answer to people who want to placate to the seal clapping crowd of just tell me what I want to hear. I want to get out and get us out. There's no reason for our troops to be there. Those three, three soldiers from Georgia, why did they die? Was their death in vain? It's really easy to say if we weren't there, they wouldn't have died. Because you're playing against the hypothetical of if we weren't there, how many more people would die? And historically, a lot. We shouldn't have to do it for you to see it, to believe it, because we will be drawn back in. If we want to stop it, we punch Iran hard. Doesn't mean we launch a direct strike on Iran, as some senators want. But there's got to be some direct, hard annihilation action. Stop tickling them. They're enjoying the tickling that Joe Biden is doing. Tell Joe Biden it's corn pop. Maybe he'll actually throw a punch. But the historic reality is that every time a punch is thrown at us, Joe Biden wants to tuck, tail, and run, and Iran knows that, which is exactly the problem we're having. If Joe Biden wants to change the dynamic instead of tucking, tail, and running, he's going to throw some punches. They're going to be hard-hitting. They're going to be disproportionate, and they're going to send the signal we're done screwing around with Iran. But I have no belief that Lloyd Austin and Anthony Blinken and what's his name, uh, Jake Sullivan and Joe Biden will ever bother doing that. Because in their worldview, Iran is the oppressed and we're the oppressor. And the oppressor must be careful in how they unleash their oppression. We're dealing with the wokes in charge and all it does is get three American service members killed.
3: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Greetings and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Have you heard about this huge RNC fight in Las Vegas? It's kind of a funny story, actually. Uh, Republicans are squabbling over uh, who's to blame for what's happened to the party. They're meeting in Las Vegas for the RNC meeting, and you've got the Turning Point USA guys demanding the tax returns of RNC members to see where their outside income from. I got to tell you, they should go first, uh, given the credible allegations out there about how uh, Turning Point USA. Uh, executives are using their donor dollars. They should probably be the first ones to show their tax returns before the RNC does. But here's the problem. They're, they're blaming the RNC for 2018, 2020, and 2022. What about the candidates and the people who picked the candidates? That wasn't the RNC picking those candidates. There's a common denominator here that's not Ronald McDaniel, but nobody wants to talk about it. That's part of the problem leading into 2024 and why so many Democrats are frankly convinced that they're going to win is looking at the GOP pattern in in 18, 20, 22, and and the common denominator being Trump and and candidates he picked. Herschel Walker, Blake Masters, Kerry Lake, um, uh, Mehmet Oz. It's, It's a problem. Candidate quality is a problem. The RNC has nothing to do with that. And by the way, Trump supported Ronald McDaniel at the time. So I think there are bigger problems than who's in charge of the RNC. I think there are much bigger problems than who's in charge of the RNC. And the GOP can't honestly acknowledge or talk about those problems right now uh, because you got a lot of grifters who have sold the bill of goods to the base who have been convinced by that bill of goods, and they're being defrauded by the grifters. And I just think the the GOP needs to be very careful about the path it's going down it's it's breaking with reality and you got to get offline you got to get offline and connect to the real world and understand that the chatter and conversations online really aren't um the reality and what people are talking about offline um and it just uh, it bothers me so much to see the republicans becoming like the democrats were back in the day with the rise of the internet and believing all of it One of the great organizations keeping people connected to reality is Hillsdale College. You know, the reality is constitution still matters, even though a lot of people talk like it doesn't. We're in a post-constitutional era or whatnot. Uh, It's funny to say that when we now have these constitutionalists on the Supreme Court, even though they don't always agree with each other, the constitution matters. And Hillsdale College wants to educate you about the constitution because of how much it matters. Larry Arnn has a true commitment to constitutionalism and the way the American Republic was founded, and he wants to share that vision with you, and also just the truth about the Constitution. So they're doing Constitution Minutes during my show. You can hear them at ericforhillsdale.com, E-R-I-C-K, ericforhillsdale.com. Hillsdale College wants to teach you about the Constitution, so if you go to ericforhillsdale.com, not only will they give you a free pocket Constitution, but they will also let you hear those Constitution Minutes. You can share them with your friends, ericforhillsdale.com. Hillsdale College may be the last college standing committed to the constitutional principles of the American Republic, but they take it real seriously. They want you to take it seriously as well. You got to know the Constitution to appreciate it. They want you to appreciate it. Eric for Hillsdale.com. You can get a free pocket Constitution.
2: Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for
1: what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and community safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond.
2: Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
1: Greetings and welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Delighted to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Uh, has been waiting and, uh, want to get to her phone call. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm
0: doing well. How are you? I'm so excited to finally get through and talk to you. I'm a truck driver, so I hear you every day.
1: You know, the number of truck drivers who listen to this show, pilots <laughs> and truck drivers, I, I got a great audience.
0: <laughs> yes, you do. And you, and when it says, and he's sometimes funny, you're very funny. I have to talk <laughs> it on the road.
1: <laughs> uh Oh, I appreciate but, that.
0: Um, but I wanted to talk about um, the situation in Jordan and touch on what the other people were discussing and what you discussed. Um, I was in the Army National Guard, Georgia Army National Guard, for about five and a half years. Um, I got an honorable discharge in 2011. I was a mechanic first, and then I became a the police the last couple of years at Dobbins Air Force Base. I wow. was about to reenlist a couple years ago. I'm 47 now, so they would, you know, have taken my service years off my age. I declined when they called me because I did vote for President Joe Biden, and I am so disappointed in him. I don't like war. A lot of us don't. People think we joined because of war. No, we joined for honorable reasons to protect our country, and he's not doing that. He's, I've actually been to the border, and our vice president hasn't. It's just crazy to me. how we're, We we need to get these people out of office.
1: Amen. <laughs> Okay, so to me, i, I got to ask you, how did you get into truck driving from the National Guard?
0: Um, well, so, uh, well, rest in peace to my Uncle Daryl, who passed not too long ago. I was, everyone in my family usually are mechanics, so I've always been a tomboy. Even If you saw me, you'd be like, you're going to look like a truck driver, but um, <laughs> I've always been very mechanically inclined, so I um, became a light-wheeled mechanic, and it's all-wheeled now, and... Um, I like fixing things and I like driving things. So I wanted to teach my nieces that, you know, there are a lot of things that we can do as women and we put our, you know, our minds to it. And I love to fix things. And I used to always learn from the guys. We had competitions. And so driving is part of it. I've had to fix a transfer case in the middle of hot weather while we were doing some training and it's crazy. But the driving has always relaxed me. So I've been driving this truck now. I've had okay. a wife
1: since twenty fifteen. <laughs> so is so first, you may be the most awesome listener that I have, and second, I need you to <laughs> never meet my wife because the two of you could wreck all sorts of havoc. <laughs> I
0: know. How is she doing? Is she? Going, it, she's is doing she great. Doing okay? So she's
1: Yep, she's got her scans. Uh, in in two weeks, everything is fine. She got over COVID. She got back to the gym. Yeah, between a a oh, former God, national guardsman, her. mechanic, truck driver, and my wife who can pull a UPS <laughs> truck with her bare hands, I don't want the two of you meeting. Uh, I know. That'd be, I was that When you were, well, you
0: know, girl power.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: No, but we wouldn't be anything without you guys. We need each other. But I just want to pray for our country and. We really, we really need to strike back. My father was in Vietnam. He was a Marine. Um, when he was 17, it was the scariest day of his life, but we have to strike back or we just look soft to everybody.
1: We do. We absolutely do. It is a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for calling and safe travels. You too. Thank you. Have absolutely. A good day. You too. Tamika, wow. Truck driving mechanic, National Guard. Um, that's just, yeah, she and my wife will oh, get them together. It'd be like, um, Oh, that would that I, I would be more scared of my wife than I am right now. Uh, I think she would have somebody to fix motorcycles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to make safe travels out there. That's and well said, too. You're right. We've got to do something. And you've been to the border. Our vice president hasn't. And they want to opine on all this stuff. It just it, it's part of this is what we're dealing with from the Biden administration is the progressive delusion that it's all about power. When you believe, as progressives do, that everything in the world can be seen as an aspect of power, you miss a lot of things. For example, um, there is altruism in the world. There are people who will sacrifice because they think it's the right thing to do. It's not about increasing their power. It's about the right thing to do. Uh, Jesus Christ laid down his life that others could have everlasting life. Um, he, he didn't have to do it and he did. And it wasn't necessarily because he wanted power over others. He already had the power. He wanted a relationship. Uh, there are plenty of people on the planet who do good things because they're the right thing to do, not because it's it gives them power. And when you embrace this postmodern Marxist ideology that so many progressives have, that everything is about power and the world must be seen through power dynamics uh, and oppressors and oppressed, It, it completely screws up your view of the world. The Iranians don't want power for the sake of power. The Iranian leadership has a religious fervor. When you believe all the world is about power and religion itself is about acquiring and maintaining power, you miss the actual dynamics of the way the world works. There are some people who want to bring about the apocalypse, not because it gives them power, but because it ultimately ends the world as we know it and realigns the world in ways that construct power differently, even against themselves. And the left misses this. And, and the left, in embracing these sorts of things, uh, embraces their own bits of corruption. Just consider the squad. The squad in Washington, D.C., its members are deeply progressive leftists, Marxists. Cori Bush, we now know, is under investigation for how she spent federal security dollars. The Justice Department yesterday subpoenaed the House Sergeant at Arms for records related to Cory Bush's spending uh, and use of federal taxpayer dollars for her own good. She's already screaming racism about it. Yesterday, we talked about Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar, member of the squad from Minnesota, gave a speech in which she declared herself Somalia first and that she will use her power in Congress to make America do the bidding of Somalia. Not America, not the people of Minnesota, but of Somalia. She's caught on record, on video, saying these things. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has gone on record in defense of UNRWA, the U.N. refugee uh, program in Pal- the Palestinian territory. She wants to defund American police, but after it has been shown 1,200 members of UNRWA or Hamas and Islamic jihadist operatives, she wants America to continue funding the terrorists. So uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants to defund American police but fund terrorists in the Middle East and is demanding we do so. And now there's Jamal Bowman. Jamal Bowen, the man who pulled the fire alarm. He promoted wild conspiracy theories about 9-11 on his personal blog when he was a middle school principal. Now think about Jamal Bowman here. Jamal Bowman was a principal in New York peddling conspiracy theories about 9-11. He now says upon exposure that he regrets writing what he wrote. Every entry was deleted sometime before February 2016, but the compositions are preserved in archives, including 137 lines of free verse from May 2011 entitled Recapitulate. What begins as a meditation on a decade plus of world events, recollecting anxiety over Y2K and controversy around the 2000 Florida recount, swiftly devolves into 9 11 trutherism. Quote, 2001 planes used as missiles target the Twin Towers. Later in the day, Building 7 also collapsed. Hmm. Multiple explosions heard before and during the collapse. Hmm. Bowman invokes a favorite disproven trope of the paranoid fringe that the collapse of Building 7 was the result of a controlled demolition. In fact, Building 7 buckled and fell after debris from its larger piers, struck it, and ignited a blaze inside and undermined its structural integrity. The poem... Pursues every other, even more obscure, conspiratorial musing. Allegedly, two other planes, the Pentagon, Pennsylvania, hijacked by terrorists, minimal damage done, minimal debris found. Hmm. Uh, that would be 125 dead in the Pentagon, 59 people on the plane. We blamed Osama, went to war in Iraq, captured Saddam, killed him. Bin Laden is Afghan, so we went to war there too, actually. Bin Laden took credit for 9-11 and was from Saudi Arabia. And then he quotes a viral documentary called Loose Change based on a range of debunked assertions and, of course, the Jews. Zeitgeist is another documentary. Let me read you this. Zeitgeist is a product of the message board and chain email margins of the aughts is a 2007 film that goes beyond preposterous fantasies about the 2001 hijacking and argues that a ring of globalist bankers controls the Federal Reserve and periodically contrives national tragedies to compel the U.S. government to embark on wars and take out greater debt. The movie rehashes a 90s-era conspiracy theory about an alleged plot to merge the U.S., Canada, and Mexico into a single country and eventually to dissolve all national governments into a single planet-spanning regime. It also questions whether Jesus actually existed. And this is in the Daily Beast, a left-wing site, in parentheses, puts, nearly all historians agree that he did. Zeitgeist and Loose Change were favorite movies of the mass shooter Jared Lochner who attempted to assassinate Gabby Giffords. Ironically, both enjoy the backing of Alex Jones. Um, So you've got Ilhan Omar is Somalia first. Cory Bush is under federal investigation. AOC wants to defund police but fund Middle Eastern terrorists. And Jamal Bowman is a 9-11 truther who believes it was all tied to the Jews. Well done. Well done, progressives. Notice what's going on here. Uh, you will find the media cover. Um Donald Trump and the Taylor Swift stuff. In fact, I'm on TV tonight. I'm going to be on CNN on Aaron Burnett Show, 7.15 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, to talk about the Taylor Swift conspiracies. And, and I intend to point out on the program that, you know, both sides do this sort of stuff. You got Jamal Bowman, turns out to be a 9-11 truther who blames the Jews, and Ilhan Omar in her Somali first speech. We can't just focus on the GOP. Both sides have their crazy. You got it, Lauren Boebert and, and Marjorie Taylor Greene, and, and whoever else on, on our side, Jesse Waters apparently peddling the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey Pentagon Psyop conspiracy, and AOC trying to fund the terrorists in the Middle East. Both sides have crazy, but you will notice disproportionately the media likes to focus on the Republican crazy. They want to circle the wagons around the Democrats and pretend they're not as crazy. They're just as crazy. Both sides have crazy. And we would all be wise to ignore the crazy on our side and they on their side. What is notable, however, is that Joe Biden's Department of Justice is going after Cori Bush. If you're a longtime listener of this program, you will have heard me say frequently that if we don't clean up our own side, the voters will. The Democrats are cleaning up their own side going after Cori Bush. They're cleaning up their own side. Republicans have got to clean up their side. they got to clean up their grifters. Otherwise, it opens the door for a Democratic attack. You can talk about Hunter Biden. You can talk about Joe Biden. And the Democrats say, look, we take take the real grift seriously on our side. We're prosecuting one of our own. And you'll say, but Hunter Biden, but Hunter Biden, but Hunter Biden, but Hunter Biden. They'll say, look, the Department of Justice is prosecuting Hunter Biden. And you can give the whatabouts. But to the general election-only voters who aren't plugged into politics, it's going to look like the Democrats are cleaning up their house, and we're not cleaning up our house. That they're cleaning up their crazy, and we're not cleaning up our crazy. Don't underestimate the power of general election voters to shape an election. After all, a majority of independents and 13% of Republicans decided to stick with Joe Biden in 2022 and his party and nearly handed control of the House to the Democrats and left them in charge of the Senate. These small things ripple and ultimately make big waves. But what also should ripple and make big waves is the absolute insanity of the progressive squad. 9-11 truthers, Somali firsters, terrorist funders, and those involved in criminal investigations against them. They are the people they warned us about. They are, frankly, exactly who they said they were. Now, Vision Computers exactly who I've told you they are. They are a fantastic company that can save you money, build you great computers, and be your IT department for you. So you don't have to have an in-house IT guy at your company. You can rely on Vision Computers. Before you go out and buy a one-size-fits-all big-box store computer, let Vision give you a price quote. They can build you the PC that you want. One that's upgradable, they can do it laptop or desktop, and then they can service them. And so you get a special phone number, and faster than a Google search, they can give you the answer. If you don't know how to do something on your computer, they can answer the question for you. If something goes wrong, they can remote it and fix it. They can help you with email. They can help you with your printer. They can do all this stuff. You don't have to have the in-house guy. You save some money, and you get great computers that are upgradable, expandable, and you don't have to keep going back to the big box store for another one-size-fits-all. All All you do is go to visioncomputers.com visioncomputers.com or call them at 404 Compute. Now listen, Harry code is 404. That's Atlanta, Georgia, but it doesn't matter. They do business in all 50 States. So if you're in Los Angeles, California, if you're in Portland, Maine, if you're in Miami, Florida, you call vision computers, they can set you up right and take care of you. They can be your in-house phone number you call and get support your secretary anybody in your office you bought the computers for or for a small fee they can help you even if you didn't buy your computers from them it's 404 compute call them and tell them i sent you, you get an even better deal 404 compute tell them eric sent you you get a great deal they are a great company
3: with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: hello there welcome it is eric erickson here the full number eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five should you wish to be on the program delighted to have you jl let's go to you next on the phone welcome how are you
2: eric good to hear from you we love your show you're a great guy thank you just wondering um what what would happen i mean us us voters are so tired of voting for the lesser of two evils the lesser of four evils and we're tired of being offered crap sandwiches for candidates, what would happen if we all wrote in none of the above in the primary?
1: <laughs> well, in the primaries, it doesn't matter because the parties control the primary process. So if you're uh, voting in the Republican or the Democratic primary to pick their nominees and you say none of the above, they don't particularly care, honestly. It's, it's the general election that matters. And this goes towards stewardship, stewardship of your vote. Um, there are some people... Who very adamantly despise the idea of going through Trump Biden again. And if they really want their voice to be heard, they can simply ignore that line on the ballot. Instead of voting third party that may be interpreted as supportive one of those candidates that you don't really support, you just hate Biden Trump. You can just say I'm I'm leaving it blank. And the undervert vote is extremely telling. Uh, Go back to 2000. I mentioned this before. Karl Rove realized the GOP had a huge problem with evangelicals because the undervote in Bush versus Gore was so huge among evangelicals who flat out just left it blank and went straight to the other races that it forced the Bush administration to prioritize evangelical concerns in his first term. And it worked. He got their vote and and won outright with over 50 percent in 2004. That's something you got to consider.